position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode number, what, Ivor? That 385 of the Best Linux Games Podcast be recorded for you on this Tuesday, the 15th of March at 3.30 a.m. Uh, 2022. Hope you're all enjoying the daylight saving time. Uh, spring forward, bitches. Spring forward. Spring forward! Uh, we have a huge show. Oh, yeah. Crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth holding up the whiskey sign. See, we're a little out of practice. We go two extra days over a weekend and we lose our fucking minds, don't we, Ivor? Don't we? Oh, we'll get the case, Gregor. Oh, we'll get the fucking case, won't we? Oh, we'll get the fucking case. Ivor, you're fired. Uh. Hmm. It's uh, 3.30 a.m. Left coast, Pacific coast, coast most time. And that would, of course, make it for our sequel friends 2022. Uh, 03.15. 03.30. Uh, 
Um, big show for you this week. So let's get straight to our top stories. Again, daylight savings time has hit us. Uh, thank you to all the people who this week listened to and took time out of their busy lives to listen to the 80-ish percent done uh, version of Dracula Factory's forthcoming album, Your Mom is a Slutty Wizard, uh, on behalf of the band, who consists entirely of myself. Thank you especially to uh, Burr on Wheels, Bloody XD, <laughs> who was very useless, Jokemon, Webster, Fagaldorf, Friends of the show in real life and friends of me in show life. Uh, Metalhead. Everybody. Everybody who took time. Uh, especially Bird on Wheels. He had some crazy shit to say. Uh, very embarrassing getting so much high praise from some and so much blatant disdain from others. But it, Hey, it I I just want I just want to hear what you thought. Uh so that was very useful cuz I mean I've been working on it for now like what since November. So, and no one's heard it. So it's like every time someone new hears it, it's kind of a new It's kind of a whole mind fuck for me cuz it's like I realize again no one has heard it. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's weird. It's like, you know, you work in this fucking bizarre little cave. And, uh, and you realize, wait, you know what? Before we release, we should probably get some fucking ears on this. Cause all fuck ups are shallow with enough ears, as we all know. Um, we're calling this, uh, what the fuck does this mean, Ivor? Oh, yeah, there was a Skooky Sprite spoof thing that happened that was weird. Um, evidently associated with Linux Action Show, there was like a spoof of Chris Lass and a spoof of me and a spoof of other people. I don't know, what the fuck? That was reported by uh, Bird on Wheels. Um, I don't understand what the fuck it meant and I was in the middle of something else and so blah. My video card. Many thanks to go out to friend of the show, BPR Blaster PR. Blaster loves Linux. Um, who helped prolong the life of my video card? Hopefully for another... <laughs> By suggesting I repaste it, which I did. Um, took shockingly very little time. It was all done in half an hour. But the benefits have been marginal and uh, it was only enough to get me through the end of God of War, which is our short review this week. Why is our review so short of God of War? Well, one, we're like five days late. That's what she said. Mm. I'm never doing those jokes again. But two, I can't really tell you a lot about God of War. Um, and it, 
yeah, I really cannot tell you a lot about the game, but I can describe what makes the game so good. So, but I, but it's you know, it's a story-driven game, and we don't talk about the stories. Everything here is always spoiler-free. Um, so that's coming up later on in the show. Uh, we're calling this episode the update episode. But we do have one new and noteworthy title, so based on with it, I wore it. Let's get this fucking... Let's get this juke canoe into the river, bitches! Come on! In the immortal words of my Uncle Jerry. Oh my god, we laughed so hard. We're driving my dad's Lincoln Town car. Uh, god, I miss my dad. Miss you, pops. And yes, half Flavian Jew, half Irish Catholic, so suck my dick. We're allowed to say. Get the Jew canoe on the road. Let's get the Jew canoe on the road! I was a North American fall when were in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. So I had an interesting conversation with my mom about uh, how Steam has affected the market for video games and how, not just Steam, but specifically Steam. Um, and I told her about Vampire Survivors, which is a game that I've now logged like 90 hours in, which is shameful. It's a shameful amount for like, of time. But I play it like an hour a night every fucking night, like when I'm drunk and stoned, because it requires zero brain cells, which is a very attractive thing. A game that, and so the Vampire Survivors has sold, according to Steam Spy, dot com which uses a rough approximation of various different metrics combined with their weird algorithm to approximate within like 50% and I think it's pretty accurate it's you know relatively accurate because I mean once it gets to like Elden Ring right now it says that there are 20 million to 50 million people who own Elden Ring for Steam which is a lot of people, but I mean that, that makes it anywhere between you know twenty two million and you know fifty million. That's a min and a max, but at least twenty million people. But anyway, Van- Vammy Survivors, as I like to call it, which is a great game, three dollars. Jump on the bandwagon, you will love it. I promise you, it is a great time killer. It is also a really good game, and they keep updating it every week with new achievement gets new characters and new weapons and achievement gets and they are really fun and the game is really fun so you should go get Vampire Survivors which is not on sale it's just fucking three dollars that's it and I was telling my mom how that game was designed during a hacking competition or whatever some sort of fucking you know three or four person deal for like a weekend and they put it on Steam I think the whole team is 12 people, but all of those people who made this goofy little game have now made like over the amount of money that I make in a year from that game already, which is so great. I love it. So the next game, so and that that led me to investigate other Steam store stats sales stats and stuff which are highly speculative because it's only the developer who can really tell you how many people, you know, blah 
A game came out this week called Core Keeper. And Core Keeper, which I bought, at C-O-R-E-K-E-E-P-E-R. That would be Charlie, uh, Oscar, Romeo, Echo, Kilo, Echo, Echo, uh... What the fuck is P? Man, my NATO phonetic alphabet. It was really sharp there for a while. Papa. Echo Romeo. Hmm. Here's a trick, kids. You want to learn the NATO phonetic alphabet? I know. Let's have a little let's have a little digression in this episode that cannot take longer than fucking 45 minutes. Oh, we'll be here forever, won't we, Gregor? Won't we will get the fucking case, Gregor? I vote you're fired. Um, trick to remembering the NATO phonetic alphabet. There's two tricks that are really good. One, there are two names in the NATO phonetic alphabet. There is Romeo, which is for R, and Juliet, which is for J. So you don't blah. Also, there's only one month in the NATO phonetic alphabet. And it is not October. It is November. Oscar is October. Oscar is O. N is November. So Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, uh, uh, Frank, uh, ABC, uh, Golf, uh, Hotel, India, no, uh, H-I-J-K-L H-I-J Oh, Juliet Kilo, Lima Um Mike is M Mike is a great one I love all the names Mike, uh, November Exactly, so next time you're trying to enlist in the Ukrainian army well, they'll just take you they, you don't need another, but uh, November, uh, Elemen, uh, Oscar, Papa, uh, Quebec, Romeo, J and R always fucked me up until someone pointed out that it's Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Romeo, uh, QR, uh, uh, Sierra, uh, Tango, uh, T, uh, Uniform, uh, Victor Wilco, uh, uh, Whiskey, not Wilco, Whiskey, X Ray, Yankee, uh, Zebra. Used to be Zulu, but now it's Zebra. I like Zebra better, too, because the Zulu Nation is gone, so it's like, fuck. Mm. Although they're not gone, they're still around, but whatever. Anyway, so just remember there's only one month name. And then there is Juliet and Romeo. And that one month name is November. So anyway. Core Keeper. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so fascinated with the Native American alphabet. I think it's because there's so many different variants of it. Because like law enforcement uses a different system. At least in the United States. But I, oh, I know why. It's because of flight simulators. But anyway, moving on. And they don't even necessarily use the Native American alphabet. But anyway. You want to 
Next time we have to fucking call in artillery codes on a map grid. You can use the NATO phonetic alphabet regardless of what military service you've been press ganged into. It will be useful to you that you have a received this information from me, your only friend of the universe, Skokie Sprite. All hail Skokie Sprite! Okay, moving on. So that's why Ivor got fired. Because he did not say... Oh, that's right, Ivor, you're fired. Mm. He's hard of hearing. So Core Keepers, Core Keeper, is, has sold 250,000 units during their first week. A level of success that has only been shared by a few other titles, such as Seven Days to Die, um, Valheim, etc., 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 etc. The list, I'm sure, is endless. And we have no time to sit here and try to recall all of them. But I love it when independent developers make tons of fucking money off of their first fucking game. I don't know how many people worked on this game because I did no research on it, but I have played it for about three hours. And Core Keeper is a top-down. It's it's it has there's a misnomer in like the tags that at least that it had when I at the time that I bought it. Ivor, how much is Corky? Oh, god damn it, Ivor! Came out March 8th, 2022. How much is it? Well, right now, for the next seven hours, it's 10% off, but it's $13. So, you divide that in half, more or less, let's just say. And 250,000 units at, you know, roughly $10. So... That's two million dollars. So figure they net around one point five or one point, yeah, something like that. One point five because it's thirteen and not what. Well, anyway, that's a lot of fucking money, and that is great. Anytime that you know, blah, game hits that big, that hard from out of nowhere, holy shit! It is a you know main screen turn on. We get signal that. That sends a signal to the industry that yes, independent games do fucking matter, and some of them are better, and some of them will sell faster than you can fucking believe with no promo budget and no fucking investor outlay. So you better fucking pay attention because you're gonna, no doubt, your type will die out like the dinosaurs, to quote Cy Coleman. Because my kind of dame, no doubt, will die out like the dinosaurs. Guess who they expect to see? Yeah, I'm probably the only person left on Earth who could have placed that quote, but whatever. You can always count on me. So, Core Keeper is a multiplayer. It's single or multiplayer. I've been playing it single player. Although, Isconia is playing it right now. Ad Knight is playing it right now, which is pretty cool. I would love to jump into his game, but no, I have to do this podcast. Core Keeper is a top-down um, pseudo-pixel trash, incredibly relaxing game, in which you play the the part of an explorer who falls into a pit and wakes up 
deep, 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 deep underground next to a, a strange engine. It is a top-down, not demi-isometric, it is two-dimensional, um, gather, harvest, survive, fight, minor building stuff, my, it's really about crafting and harvesting shit from this underwater empire, this underground empire that has strange numbers of bodies of water, which is really weird, because, like, you're gonna drain the water table for somebody, I mean, if that happened in Nevada, like, you would be fucking dug up and destroyed by the robot police. Um, trust me, I've seen them. They walk among us. They look like us, but they are not us. Anyway, Core Keeper, you build, you, you, you mine stuff, you break down walls with your fists, you punch vines to get wood. You plant vines to regrow wood. You can fish. I can't fish yet. I am so looking forward to being able to fucking fish. All ostensibly while trying to power this generator to get back up to the surface. Which I'm not sure exactly how it works. But I have all these crystals that I think kind of power it. But I don't know. You can jump into anyone else's game if they make it public. It's a lot of fun the music is phenomenal the sound design in this game is really good it's a very relaxing controller based which is important for me because of the carpal tunnel um just really relaxing gather all this shit figure out some skills uh pseudo pixel trash game it's very good and for 13 bucks I mean fuck it's already worth you know it's and it's in early access so it's not it's not done yet so that's our new and noteworthy now I've already based him with the feature it's weird we have to do a short show we only have 7 minutes left 7 minutes Ivor oh we'll get the case gonna go really here there Christmas who do you think Oh my god, it's the Livians! The Livians! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature, I can't read you. I can't read you, I can read your mind. Take it, Skooky. The So as I mentioned long before the NATO phonetic alphabet and many discursive rants about nothing to do with Linux video games, hmm, we're calling this the update episode for a reason. One, because Vampire Survivors got a massive, not a massive update, but it just gets mass, it just gets an update every fucking week where they add new achievements and I cannot get the latest achievement until I finish this podcast. <laughs> I, I, they, they they threw in five new achievements or whatever, four new achievements this week, which includes upgrading the pentagram to evolve status, which is difficult because the pentagram destroys everything. So it's like kind of trickier to upgrade. And I never kept track of what upgrades to evolve status, the other weapons. So now I have to go back through and fucking write a table, which I have done because I refuse to Google 
this fucking game because it's so much. It gives me an excuse to play more Vami Survivors, which is what I call it. It's my pet name for that game. And yes, I have a pet name for Vampire Survivors. And yes, it is Vami Survivors. Okay? Just cope with that. I know that it is lame. I know that it is lame. It's so lame it made me stutter. But anyway, you should get Vampire Survivors. You're gonna like it. It's really good. <laughs> You're gonna like it against every instinct in your body. Um... I think that they're I think that's been ported to mobile devices too which they're going to make a fuck ton of money. Oh my god, they're going to make so much money. It's going to be great. I love it when I love it when the good guys win. For reals, when the good guys who come from nowhere crush everybody. I mean, Elder Scrolls or Elden Ring or whatever the god, what a terrible name for a video game. Fuck you, Elden Ring Vampire Survivors! <laughs> from nobody! From no. Oh, that's a good name for a development company. No one's soft. <laughs> the, erectile, the Erectile Dysfunctional Game Company. No one's soft. Um, yeah, we already talked about Steam Spy. Ah! Yes! One of my perennial favorite games that we speak about at regular intervals on this show, still in early access, is the magnificent, inimitable Hellish Quart. For those of you who do not remember Hellish Quart, that would be, um, oh, fuck, what, Hotel Echo, Lima, Lima, India, Sierra, Hotel, Space, Quebec, Uniform, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Alpha Romeo Tango. That's art. <laughs> Hellish Court is the fighting, the demi authentic Hema fucking, you know, the, the, uh, the people who fight with, um, Swords from all eras, European history freaks, uh, in competitions, take it. It's like that. It's like that level of authenticity. Like they scanned all the costumes from real fucking, from museum pieces that they had access to. They 3D scanned them. It's awesome. It's so good. This game gets better and better and better and better with every update. It is Bushido Blade. Because this guy really like... He he does this for like a significant part of his life. He fights with these swords and stuff. And I think he's he's somewhere in in the Balkans or I can't remember. Maybe Poland? Polish? <sighs> God. Hopefully not Ukrainian. Um, but that's right next to Poland. Anyway. And uh, he he loves fighting games and he loved Bushido Blade and he wanted to take his passion for these weapons and these fighting styles and make a historically accurate fighting game like Bushido Blade but for Western European fighting styles, not just like Bushido Blade, like where you have a katana, but 
like you have a rapier, you have a cutlass, you have a guy Kalkstein, who I call the Das Kalkenstein. Um, he's got a cutlass and he fights like a fucking pirate, like a fucking buccaneer is how he fights, which is weird. Um, all the way down to authentic uh Turkish uh curved long swords all sorts of shit one hit one kill for the most part it, it's about the conversation of what a sword fight really used to be it's all about right of way all about tempo all about stamina all about fucking chopping off your head bitch it is so much fun if you I mean like I love Bushido Blade the original the first game the second one was not that good. And then I I think they made a third one that I never played. But the first one was fantastic. We used to play to 300 wins. First to 300. Because it's that fast. It's like, you know, bam, one hit. Oh, you're dead. Marie is still so good. They've updated it with a new physics and collision system. I mean, these are massive updates. They're working. They're busting their asses on this game constantly much respect to Hellish Court it, they're now calling it the pre-alpha it came out uh, on the 9th, came out last week and uh, Hellish Court for those of you by Cuboid, oh my god when you get a good volley going when you get a good conversation with the swords going and they're keep at, they, they, they're adding four more new characters and a story mode, but they just dropped uh, this new physics engine, which drastically improves the game. It's not a physics engine, but a new collision system for the blades. Uh, And they added, like, uh, Hema gear, uh, like, you know, so it looks like you're, like, at a fencing school, um, if you want to. Uh, They've also improved all the single-player modes, and you can play it with a multiple, you know, do multiplayer um, with other people on the internet uh, provided that they're in your friends list you just uh, screen share you just, uh, uh, what do you call it Um, Steam Remote Play with them and fantastic, phenomenal so Hellish Court got a huge update, you should definitely take a look at it and then finally um, Instruments of Destruction which we will be reviewing next week got a big update I don't know how at the tempo that they expect to keep updating this game but oh my god instrument of destruct instruments of destruction will be reviewed on this show when we hit 20 hours which will occur before next week in fact it could occur as soon as like next week meaning this week because it's Tuesday shit hate it when hate it when we go late but there's lots of problems that I had I had to deal with this fucking video card if if this card dies I am fucked I am historically broke right now I haven't been this broke in 20 fucking years I'm 42 that is really broke like that's like that's like broke Ken that's like yeah like like the doll like the Ken doll bro Ken, that's me. So anyway, and so I need this video card to keep 
keep on keeping on. I'm so glad that it got us through God of War. But Instruments of Destruction, which we will talk in great detail about this Friday, evidently. So like three days from now. <laughs> I hate it when we're late. That, that's what she said. I know I said I'd never do it again, but I lied. Um, Instruments of Destruction is one of the best games. <laughs> it's so good. It's just so good. It gives you like a city, gives you an area of buildings. You have to destroy them all with various criteria. Like, you know, destroy all the buildings, but do it underneath this time limit. And it, it, Joe, many thanks go out to Joe Drinkman Kendall, who interrupted his own life to remind me of the game, the N64 game that we used to play when, for like a couple weeks in Carson City. It's called Blast Core. And Blast Core, you got like a dump truck or like a, you know, all sorts of different crazy vehicles, like a motorcycle, whatever. And you were supposed to like drive through buildings and blow them all up and destroy everything. And it had all these achievements and stuff that unlocked other shit, other areas, other vehicles. Instruments of Destruction takes this concept to the logical next and final level of awesomeness. You start with a fucking controller cab. And then you build the vehicle that you want to use to destroy everything. I have built things now that are so fucking insane. You cannot even imagine how insane. I built a vehicle that is made entirely out of chainsaws. It's a ball. It's a it's 20 stories tall, made out of chainsaws. It's hard to like get it to go where you want it to go because all of the chainsaws rotate. So it's like there's some that rotate forwards and backwards and some that rotate and then there are arms that rotate uh forwards and backwards on hinges, on pivots, so they go in and out. And there's other ones it's just fucking madness! And it's really the destruction engine that they put into this game that makes this game sing so great. Like, when you zoom in as you're destroying a building, buildings break, fall, remember how we were gonna fix your teeth but we spent the money on Francis's toupee? I don't wear a hairpiece! If you get that joke, hit me up on the DM on Twitter at VegasWriter, V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R, and no, I will not spell that via the NATO phonetic, NATO phonetic alphabet, and I will buy you a game of your choice. First one wins. So, it's really the way the buildings get destroyed. It has this insane like dust clouds like fucking billow chunks of concrete get broken into tinier chunks of concrete which then get broken subsequently into tinier chunks of concrete and they fly everywhere as you like throw wrecking balls into buildings or as you shoot fucking wrecking balls from your giant rail gun launching shoot out oh it's so good <laughs> 
<laughs> so good. Or the real challenge in the game is to build the perfect instrument of destruction for that island, that challenge, that level that lets you complete it fastest while completing the maximum number of challenges for the cheapest amount of money possible. So frequently this involves like, you know, you need some form of propulsion always. Oh, by the way, they added balloons, jet engines, and skids. So now they're adding flying to the game. I mean a bowling robot that was capable of standing of picking up its balls which is something I can't do anymore now that I'm 42 picking up its balls using a giant fucking magnet these balls are as tall as a human being they weigh like fucking as they weigh as much as my fucking Lexus (laughs) they weigh like 7 tons and this powerful electromagnet then shoots the balls through a building that sucks them back. It's a bowling robot, you see. Instruments of Destruction is phenomenal and infinite replayability. You know what? Let, 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 uh, well, we can't do that. I was going to play you the Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday promo video. Add guns to your little fucking thing. Do whatever the fuck you want. Instruments of Destruction is $20. It's still in early access. It is phenomenal. Now, let's get to our very brief review of God of War, which I just have several thoughts I want to share with you about it. So, But to recap, before we do that, um, all the games mentioned in this episode... Uh, boy. Vampire Survivors, Hellish Court... SteamSpy.com, which does require you to register, but it's free. So, I'm, of course, Carlos Danger on there. Um, Hellish Court, Core Keeper, Instruments of Destruction, and now God of War. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. So, God of War. There is not a lot I can tell you about this game that doesn't ruin a lot of things about this game. I have not played any other God of War except for God of War 1. Because I haven't had a PlayStation. This is the first game that's been available on a different platform. I was disturbed after beating the game earlier this week. And it was a struggle to beat the game with my dying video card. Literally the same sequence kept crashing the entire game. Very bad. It's one of the reasons why we're going to have to wait a while for a review of Shadow Warrior 3. Other games that are GPU intensive because I cannot have this card melt. I'm literally, I now have it pulled up. Its temperature is constantly pulled up on my third monitor. I know that doesn't help, but I cannot live without three monitors. I can live with two, maybe. But that's pushing a lot of pixels. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, God of War. Kratos, you play as Kratos, the same guy from the other games. 
This game is a fucking poem. This game, combined with Neil Gaiman's fucking Norse mythology book, a little bit of reading on Wikipedia, um, Neil Gaiman's American Gods, which is very much in line with this game, form like a perfect triumvirate. It's 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 a it is a chilling and profound gorgeous game. Uh, the visuals are the the graphics will blow your mind. The combat will blow your mind. It's not quite as good the combat in general as it was in the very first game. They've made three other games, or two other games that I never got to play. Um, hopefully, they'll put them out on Steam someday. Maybe if they can get through the licensing commitments they made to Sony or whatever. I doubt it. You have a son in this game. And a dead wife. And. The ending of the game for me was so satisfying. Uh, But anyway, so so you. The message of this game is that we are is that you know we're more than the story of ourselves. We're our own story. We are our own story. It's defined by us. We define that story. But we're also We're also part of other people's stories. And it's this tapestry of interlocking relations that really uh, characterizes more or less the human experience itself. Like, you know, because the unexamined life has no meaning. You, you know, it might as well be, might as well be left unlived. Yeah, I can't remember. Is that Arthur Miller? You know, like death of a salesman. Like you know, I, I walked into the jungle when I was eighteen, and when I came out, by God, I was rich. Well, that's one story, and then there's one story of Willie Loman, and who is who, and whose story is immaterial, more or less, until it's over. So the game focuses on Kratos trying to bury his dead wife. And her last wish was that she be scattered from the highest peak in all of Midgard. You are in Midgard. And yes, for those of you who remember, Kratos is not from Norway. But here's the thing about this game. Well, okay. Norse mythology is different from any other fucking 
mythology. It's kind of the basis for all you know, you have the Greeks and then you have the, the Norse. You have you have the Viking mythology. Um and I, I I grew up with Greek mythology. I, I had Delar's book of Greek mythology and I loved that book. I never ever liked Norse mythology because it made no sense to me. Oh what? You're fucking you're all father? Not that I believe in any of this shit, but like you're you're like super god. Your super god walks among men. And uses ravens as spies just to see what's going on. Is obsessed with no- and these are things that like as you get older you start to see there's no pantheon, there's no structure because these are so old. These stories are so old. The lingua our lingua franca of mythology. Actually the ling the, the actually our language itself, language itself, heavily influenced by Norse mythology. But this game brings out something that I had forgotten. When I was 17, I, I went to Ireland where my fam- one side of my family is from and uh, we went to our ancestral graveyard which was crazy um, and we also saw the Book of Kells and that, I, I wasn't 17 I was 14 and that completely changed my fucking life we saw the Book of Kells and I bought a book on Celtic design motifs and calligraphy and that completely fucked up my life been doing that shit now for a long long time not so much the knot work not so much the Celtic design I never understood that Pictish knot work Pictish design the Picts were were uh, basically part of Northern Britain, what we call like, you know, the British Isles now. Um, and they were heavily influenced. They inter- they intermingled with uh, Vikings. And this is true of every fucking culture because the Vikings went everywhere. Vikings went all over the fucking world for most part. But anyway, what you get is this gorgeous gorgeous style of art and design that kind of correlates not like to any specific god in there is no pantheon of viking gods it's like they're all competing against each other at all times and I don't know it it, and what I don't know about Norse mythology could fill a shelf of books what I do not know could fill a shelf of books but all of it comes to life in this game especially the visual design elements and the and and the story elements I can't tell you anything about the story cuz the mo- it will just 
spiral out of control. I can tell you that your son's name is Atreus and that he's a young boy and that Kratos loves him. But it's all a dream within a dream. The whole thing. And what what do I mean by that? I don't mean that like, you know, at the end they're like, oh, this was all a dream within a dream. No. I mean it it's a fireside story. It's a it's a dream that's real that comes to life and it comes to life in this game like I've never seen anything brought to such life. Okay, so let's go back to the art to, to, to art and design. So where will where where can you see Pictish influenced art? Oh, you like Alphonse Mucha? You like Art Nouveau? You like the Book of Kells? All of that's Pictish. All of that is from the Vikings. More or less. All the not work. The depending on I mean like I said there's so much I don't know but I do know that Viking runes are phonetic alphabet just like English is I always thought they were pictograms they're not pictograms they are are phonetic They're, they're phonetic in nature they also have cryptographic implications to some of them that are really weird and really really spooky there are some sets that I don't believe in magic I believe in computers but uh I believe in science but there's a beautiful intersection there's lots of mystery in just fucking looking up and reading up on Viking Viking runes they didn't have calligraphy they carved into stone they were too busy going places and fucking figuring out how to build better boats they fought everyone they colonized everywhere they didn't so much colonize everywhere as they stopped everywhere and they looted and raped and pillaged and the picks however they got more than their dose like there was a split there's a branch some stayed some liked the British Isles so much that they stayed and they brought with them their stories and they brought with them their tools and techniques and uh, stuff and so you have this great cross pollinization in, in terms of visual art and in terms of mythology across the entire world <laughs> For the most part, I mean, in the entire Western world, like the Vikings visited everywhere. Mm. And so, you're familiar with this art style, even if you don't know it. You've never seen it brought to life as they bring it to life in the Midgard and and the other 
the other planes of Yggdrasil. All which coexist and commingle and can be like, you know, move through. It, it made Viking mythology make sense to me, finally, in a weird way. Um, but yeah, it's this story about you being Kratos and your son trying to deliver, trying to complete his mother's, Atreus's, your son's mother's last wish. For ashes to be spread from the highest peak of Midgard. Or of Jotunheim, actually. And the first words out of Kratos' mouth. This is the first ten minutes of the game, so I can... These aren't the very first words that he says, but this typifies the relationship because your son isn't just um, a static character. You deal with this boy who is on you on the, who's with you on this journey. It's like Ico meets God of War, and Kratos is not a good communicator. Kratos is a deeply troubled character. And it takes hours and hours before you realize certain things and you should realize them on your own. They happen interstitially just as much as they happen in cut sequences. The boss fights in this game are phenomenal. They more than live up to the boss fights of the original game. But the whole game is one of the most exquisite dreams and one of the most exquisite uses of the medium of the video game that I have ever seen it is a very narrative driven game with lots of exploration, lots of action tight, punchy but not um, what do you call it, perfunctory uh, explorations of Norse mythology with so many surprises because that's what Norse mythology really is is kind of all about. It's all about real realistically. Like Odin fucking creates more or less ends up creating the world by sacrificing himself and he becomes the all-father by sacrificing himself to himself, which makes no sense. But he sits up there on the tree for 9 days until he's granted powers and then he creates man along with the giants
so it's a sto- always a story about self transformation about you becoming another thing than you are which is kind of figures with like viking lifestyle of always being at war odin is the god of war in norse mythology i'm not going to tell you whether or not you end up meeting him but he is always there his ravens are always watching you how many gods of war can there be but this game isn't even about that it's about it's about being a father about dealing with the exigencies of life about living up to challenges about living up to your own expectations for yourself about wisdom about wisdom and age and the difficulties of bringing someone else up despite these advantages and handicaps that you yourself might have it's a beautiful game it's very much in the vein of uh, of uh, Days Gone which is a game that I basically wept through I basically wept through God of War and oh boy we had dreams and goals and talents and desires and latent skills and latent effort and focus and practice and going back to the first basically the first things that Kratos says to his son as he prepares for the journey at the beginning of the game which you do you do all of it you are not ready but we must go and the voice acting is amazing. The guy that they got to do the the he was uh his was that Stargate SG one, which is a pretty good show. It was actually a better show than I think the most people remember it as being. But then again, I haven't seen it in a long time. But uh he played Tillich, the guy who does Kratos, but this is the he has almost he has so few lines and he is fucking phenomenal when Kratos speaks you listen so how does combat work in this game where you have this boy and then we'll we'll wrap this up um, well the boy has his own special abilities he, he, it depends on what you want him to focus on but you can upgrade his uh, bow and arrow skills which is what I did his archery um, but as he gets older and gets better with combat and as you upgrade stuff. He can do melee stuff too that can help you. He can do all sorts of things. He can summon creatures, spectral creatures that can help you. Mm. But more or less he is another button that you press during combat that will assist you. He will attack your target. Kratos does not have his cursed swords 
He's immortal, by the way. He has the Leviathan Axe. And eventually you learn how to upgrade and improve this axe in any way in which you wish. Same thing with your armor. It is... It's a game where you spend like three hours exploring and looting Midgard, which is a dream with... I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this, because this is the most important thing about this game. I'm not going to tell you the whole story about Toyotomi Hideyoshi. But Toyotomi Hideyoshi went to the highest tower of the at the time he didn't know it but at the time it was the world's largest building ever constructed by human hand an impregnable fortress Osaka fortress impregnable and was about to finally realize the thousand year dream of reuniting of uniting all of feudal Japan into under one daimyo under one feudal lord under one person And he had failed. He had commissioned this building. And he knew that he had failed. Because they had been under siege for five years. And so Toyotomi Hideyoshi, who improbably had lived to the... He was like 70-something. He was like 80 or whatever. Led his armies through terrific battles. 20 years, he commissioned this building. No one had ever lived to see the completion of a building of this size on the planet that they themselves commissioned. The pharaohs commissioned the pyramids as their tombs. None of them ever lived to see any of them completed. Toyotomi Hideyoshi and he's betrayed by a bunch of anyway so the siege of Osaka castle goes on and on and on and he's waiting for his 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 cohorts who have betrayed him to come and bring up a rear guard that would crush all of his enemies, he was right there. He was the closest. A thousand years. A hundred and fifty generations. Two hundred generations. Three hundred generations. People have tried to do this. And he knew that he had failed after five years. The sea, cause, and Osaka Fortress would never be taken. It would never be taken. It could go on for five hundred years. You know, theoretically Um, because it was a peninsula they could get resupplied from the water and they had, it was a fucking death maze too, and they had a moat and they had (laughs) but eventually he gathers all of his concubines and all of his lieutenants who are his sons and he tells them I am ending the siege of Osaka Fortress I am I have ridden 
my terms of surrender that none of you are to be harmed. He gathers his concubines and his wife. Explains this to them. His oldest son, his first lieutenant, he gives the terms of his surrender, asks him to break through the lines secretly and visit the leader of the... Now they're like all rebels, but whatever. It's just how it went in fucking feudal Japan. Explain to them that they can have the castle and etc. None of them, none of his family members are to be harmed. And this is at an age that is so far advanced for like, I mean, this would be like uh, you were like 160 years old. And the thing I always think about about Toyotomi Hideyoshi is that he does this at an age that, and he wasn't a great leader in battle. He wasn't a great warrior. He wasn't all that wise. He was a little bit lucky. But he was just a samurai. He lived by the Bushido Code. And, um, saw no point in prolonging what had now proven to be the inevitable outcome and so the most powerful man in the world in the most impregnable fortress on earth and the largest construction built by human hand ever one which he had commissioned as a young young man after consulting with architects and designers and engineers while he fought his campaign to conquer all of Japan with one of the largest armies, more retainers than you could ever believe, the most powerful man in this corner of the world who had lived to an unthinkable age hands over the terms of his surrender, sends his lieutenant, his son, out to go deliver them and then explains to everyone else that he will retire to his meditation chamber which is at the highest point of the highest building on the face of the earth and he sits down overlooking the siege takes his brush and he writes Ah, as the dew I rise, as the dew I vanish, and even Osaka Fortress is but a dream within a dream. And then he guts himself, he commits seppuku. Which is not something you hear old men doing a lot of, because especially the most powerful man in the world. Ah, as the do I rise, as the do I vanish. And even Osaka Fortress is but a dream within a dream. I'll leave you with that. Cheers. See you in a few days. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die.
now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.